Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. Well, hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Deeper Dive. This is Jason, and I am joined today by the original crew. We are all back after a brief hiatus. Uh, We have with us today Dave Dawson. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Good. Good to be with you guys. Dave serves as the Director of uh, Leadership Development and Multi-Campus Ministries. Uh, We also have Brooks August with us. Brooks, how you doing? Excellent. Never better. Awesome. Brooks is our campus pastor out at our Prosser campus, and we have Adam Phillips with us as well. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, too. Awesome. Yeah. Adam is out at our West Pasco campus. Uh, well, guys, we are coming off the heels of pretty busy season, typically in the life of the church. Uh, Easter Sunday, Good Friday services, a whole entire weekend spent to looking at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, just wanted to go around the horn here real quick. How how was your guys' Easter? It was your first Easter, the two of you, yeah. uh, at, uh, at Bethel. So, guys, how was Easter? Easter was awesome. People were there way early. You yeah. could just feel a spirit in the room of people excited. People came dressed up for Easter, and there was an energy and an excitement for the resurrection. I think Good Friday service before Sunday prepared mm-hmm. me, and I think a lot of our folks in Pasco for Easter. And so it was, yeah, it was like the perfect starting on Palm Sunday all the way through Easter. It was just a great week. Yeah. Well, I did not preach. However, Adam, I did listen to you out in Pasco. Your message on Ezekiel's dry bones. That was a perfect man, a perfect message for that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was excellent, man. My wife and I were both just really blessed by, not only by you, but just by the whole service. And you're right, man. People were just, mm-hmm. they were glad to be back, mm-hmm. especially on that particular day. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Help you're welcome. Out. Yeah. The same, same sort of thing out in Prosser. People were excited to be at church and celebrating Easter. Uh, I've, I've said this numerous times. I don't, I, I'm new around Bethel and especially around Prosser. So I don't know who is new there as well, because uh, with with COVID, people have been worshiping from a distance and doing the online thing. And um, we saw faces come back and they were all largely new to me, but uh, they, they weren't. Um, you guys, was, had, you guys saw, had half yeah, the Prosser was there. Man, I know. <laughs> you had a lot of people there. Was cool. Yeah, it was, it was a celebration and, and there was, I could just tell there was a lot of excitement and happiness and um a lot of people seeing people for the first time in a long time, and uh, it was a celebration yeah. out there. I put on a suit jacket. It was great. Whoa. <laughs> Very cool. Well, same story, guys, here at, at our Richland campus. Sounds like at all of our campuses, uh, we had returning people. We had new people. Um, we had a good group of individuals that are still joining us online. Um, and just a great, just a great spirit, especially in light of the fact that Easter 2020, we weren't able to gather together in person. And, uh, man, what a, what a celebration it was. And the celebration continues. So, so here we are this week. Uh, we've had a brief hiatus. We had kind of a one-off Sunday where we focused on Palm Sunday. And then, of course, uh, a week ago was Resurrection Sunday and we focused on death to life stories at all of our campuses. And now, this week, we have jumped into the second half of this glorious letter that we've been unpacking, the letter that Paul wrote to the church or churches surrounding uh, Ephesus. And so uh, we're going to give our listeners a quick recap. If you haven't been with us or you haven't been with us for a while, um, we have been going through 
the teaching of the first half of Ephesians. And guys, I'm just wondering from your perspective, as we've walked through verse by verse, chapters one, two, and three of Ephesians, um, what is something that the Lord has been teaching you? Uh, maybe something that he's been impressing upon you or reminding you during our first seven weeks in Ephesians. Brooks, how about you? Yeah, the I think the thing that has been just bright in my face so much is that um, our actions, basically how we act as believers should flow out of our identity. Our identity doesn't flow out of our actions. So um, meaning our identity comes from what Christ has done. And that's first and foremost. We don't try to live up to what Christ has done. We we are who we are because of what Jesus mm-hmm. has done for us. Therefore, our actions flow out of that. I mean, I just I just see that pattern over and over and over again, hammering it in the first few chapters of of Ephesians from mm-hmm. from the writer Paul. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think for me, you know, when you read scripture in different seasons of life, you read it through different lens sometimes. Yeah. And I think just in our cultural moment of life. This theme of unity and oneness in Christ has popped out from the pages for me in a way that it hasn't before. And I've read Ephesians so many times, and there have been different things I've focused on and different things that have really stuck out. And this one, it's like, man, just the title, brand new we, in that plural, mm-hmm. it's it's just all over the place. That's yeah. been cool. Yeah. I'd probably go back to chapter one, Jason, you know, to being able to pray to God who's up in heaven mm-hmm. on behalf of another person. And have God reach down, open the eyes of their heart, you know, kind of go down to their deepest person. Mm. I just think it's fantastic that the God of the universe would listen to us, mm. right? I mean, I've revisited that chapter and it's just, I just found it so, in, so mm. encouraging, mm. you know, that God has this power and the willingness and he cares wow. to actually go down deep into a person to, to places that we can't go, mm. even by speaking to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same as you guys. It is so interesting when you walk through a book and you walk through a different season of life that you see different things. And so I think before I've been struck by all that Christ has done, earned, won for me. And it has taken a whole new, just kind of, um, I've got a whole new perspective or vantage point, I think, of seeing the brand new we, like you mentioned, Adam. And just the newness of the fellowship that he has earned for us and then walking in light of that newness um, and how he's bringing different people together. I mean, just in such a divided moment, thinking about what sounds like it was a divided church in Ephesus, um, certainly multicultural, multi-ethnic, Paul writing to try and bring these people together despite their differences and in spite of them bringing them together. There's just some glorious truth that he's laying out in those first three chapters. Yeah. So... um, Okay, so uh, just to recap, uh, if you're joining us where we've been, um, we've already mentioned Ephesians is where we're going to be actually for the next eight weeks. Uh, Ephesians was a, it was this circular letter. It went to, we believe, a group of collective churches churches in and around Ephesus written by the Apostle Paul. And we know that he wrote from prison. Uh, he spent roughly eight years of his life prior to his imprisonment with these individuals. So he's writing uh, not only theological truth, but he's writing from his heart to people. He sees their faces, he knows their names, and he's writing to encourage them in their faith. And he spends three chapters that we've been unpacking really talking about who we are as these new people in Christ, both individually and corporately. 
And now, uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to turn our attention to the second half of this letter, where Paul really, in light of who he's already said we are, he's going to say, kind of answer the question, so what? What does this mean for us as we walk in light of what he has just explained? How are we now to live? So it's really interesting to me, not surprising is the fact that Paul is going to focus on relationships. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he's been talking about how there is this transformation in our relationship with God. And then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he's going to talk about how our relationship with the church has changed, our relationship between one another has changed, our relationship as we live out our faith in the world has been radically altered. Kind of even going going back to the Old Testament, Jason, right? Yeah. Love God, love one another. Mm -hmm. It'd be so nice, I think, to sit around and like chew on theology, you know, and just have your head filled. It's just a blast. But then you have to go deal with people. Yeah. Right. And Paul's like, loves both. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's not going to let us get away with just, you know, just, you know, having our heads, you know, just blown away with these truths. It's like, yep. okay, now here's what it means. Yep. And it's not just for you. I mean, that's that's really what we've been talking about is everyone that enters into a relationship with God because of what, of, what Christ has done in the first couple of chapters of Ephesians, they now have peace with God. Now in Ephesians chapter four, which we've considered this week, we're going to find out that not only do you have a relationship with God, but you have a new relationship with the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And in that new relationship, you have a new place in a family. So Paul begins in Ephesians 4, as we looked at this week, urging believers with some kind of, I don't know, I kind of call them family rules. Um, so guys, I'm just curious, in the families that you grew up in, I'm sure that you had some family rules, um, but were there any family rules that you grew up with or maybe... Um, some of us that are a little bit older, <clears throat> Dave and myself, um, and we have kids, we've enacted some family roles that may, might be unique to our family. I'm just curious, uh, guys, what about you? Dave, what about you guys? Well, we had we had some healthy ones and we had some unhealthy ones. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a healthy one. I, this, You know what? This, a rule, this is almost more of a value, but one of the things that in our household that I really appreciated is anybody could bring just about anybody home. And they would be accepted. They'd be fed. They could mm-hmm. stay with us. And it's like our house is real big. I brought home in seminary. I brought home a Nigerian buddy of mine. I don't know if he'd ever really been in an American household. Mm-hmm. And man, my like my my mom and dad just like accepted him. He ended up going on vacation with us and stuff. Man, it, it was fascinating because the guy went back and he led a denomination of like oh, millions wow. of people. You wow. know, mm-hmm. but he and I were just buds. So I mean, to my dad, he was just Sam. You know, Sam the African. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, okay, whatever. But anyway, yeah. So I I think that was a great family rule, great family value. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Brooks, how about you guys? Uh, well, I don't know. Dave set it up pretty high there. I was like, like a meaningful value. I was yeah. like, I wrote down on my notes, like, take your shoes off when you come into the house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's powerful, were we, Brooks. Were we looking powerful. for more things? Uh, I don't know. We, uh, uh, we, we prayed before dinner. Uh, yeah. I don't. I, I'm, I'm now. I'm now. I'm like scratching. My gosh, shoot! Wow, I got some like some deep family some house rules or whatever. So take your shoes off. <laughs> Believe me, I could. Try, I could. No, There's some goofy ones with you too. So thirty, 30, 30 minutes of Super Mario every day. That was right. that was our limit. Stuff like that. I don't know. We have one that I laugh at a lot now, just to be on the more lighter side. But my dad had this rule that if you pass gas at the dinner table, you had to go to the bathroom for five minutes. So my brother and I, we you know, we had to learn that the hard way. He'd be like, "No, 
go to the bathroom. I'm like, but dad, I, I, I want to eat. And he's like, go to the bathroom. <laughs> I pulled that out of my kids a few times. So that is fun. Do you send yourself to the bathroom? No. <laughs> Just them. There's no need. Blame it, yeah. blame it on somebody else. Do they, uh, do they call it the, uh, the uh, Phillips gas rule? Is that what it's? Uh, yeah. Is that the official? My dad name would of it? kill me if he knew I was. Yeah, telling you guys that on the podcast. Pretty awesome. But... Now this is going out to the entire earth. Yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> All right, we are sorry. Pass- we are passing on. And, uh, <laughs> for me, it's interesting, Dave. A, a similar one growing up. Um, my house was a communal house. Uh, we had a next door neighbor, little little guy, and I remember we always had freeze pops in the freezer that he knew that he had full access to. And I remember it was on a weekend. It was some morning. It was it was probably five six o'clock in the morning. We heard a rustling in our house, and he was just up, lived next door. He had come through our door. We didn't lock our doors, and he was getting a freeze pop about six a.m. <laughs> yeah. in the morning and sitting That's in our awesome. sitting in our breakfast. kitchen. So. Um, yeah, just make, making room for others. So, um, you know, we, we're talking about house rules or family rules because Paul begins in Ephesians chapter four and he says this. He says to the Ephesians that they are to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. So, um, it's kind of family rules. That's, that's what he's saying is there, there's a worthy way for you to walk as a part of the family God, family of God, as a part of kind of the people of God. So what does it look like for a believer, guys, to walk or, uh, you know, some translations use live in a manner worthy of our calling? What does it actually look like? I think a word that hits me, Jason, is the word alignment. Mm-hmm. There should be alignment between what we believe and with the way that we behave. should be alignment you know, we, can, we shouldn't be one person in one setting and a totally different, radical, different person in another setting. If that, that's called hypocrisy, right? Yeah. Two, mm-hmm. Two-faced. So I think they're alignment and consistency. Yeah. Live it mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Faith is not just something you believe. It's a lifestyle to you. I think that that language of walking, of living your life, carrying out your days in a way that's consistent with Jesus and the things that we confess that are true about him and true of us. Mm-hmm. I think the it's important as as someone who's just reading reading scripture. Um, so if you have read Ephesians or you're following along with us in Ephesians four, yeah, you see this phrase uh, "walk." The um, that's a that's a literal translation, I think. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it's more appropriate to say to, uh, to say "live." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John uses, I think, I think John uses that we are supposed to walk just as Jesus walked, and and that's not literally walking in the same <laughs> steps as he walked, but it's to live like Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I, I go back to this idea that he, okay, you're supposed to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What does God call you according to the first? one, two, three chapters of Ephesians, God calls you a saint. Mm-hmm. So that means we're supposed to live according to sainthood. Mm-hmm. Not that you can lose sainthood, but that you are living out of the reality that you are a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that, that's how, what I, what I take away from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. Well, Paul actually, he clues us in on a, on a couple of things of what that might be. I don't think it's an exhaustive list, but he goes on and he gives the readers four characteristics or markers that should be true of every, uh, I would say, mature or maturing believer, somebody that is in pursuit of Christ. 
Um, and those four things are humility, gentleness, patience, and enduring love or forbearance there. So Adam, what's a good way for us to maybe understand what Paul's getting at when he says, walk in a manner that resembles humility? What What is that? Yeah, humility, this ability and capacity to make ourselves low. I think um, you see that in Jesus. Paul talks about Jesus humbling himself in Philippians mm-hmm. 2 all the way to the point of death. But I think in community, as Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4, like it's an ability and a willingness to say, like, I am not the most important person mm-hmm. in this community. Um, like my viewpoint on a particular topic doesn't have to be the most important. It's like willing to say, hey, this person and their needs and even their viewpoint can be mm. bigger than me. Mm. Um, if you think about it, like in a community of people, if everyone's willing to make themselves small and low, there's a lot of room for people to live and do life together. Mm. Mm. But the opposite of humility is like, I'm I'm above everyone else. I'm yeah. big and I'm large. And in that kind of mentality, there's not a lot of room for other people. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was a good definition, but yeah, no. That's a concept. I, and, and what. So does that mean that I am just I, I'm I'm the scum of the earth? That's the way that I'm supposed to think of myself? Or no, I don't think so. No, it's just a willingness to say like, hey, I'm not the only one here, and yeah. I'm I'm one of many. And mm-hmm. Jesus humbled himself. I don't think Jesus saw himself as the scum of the earth, yeah. but it's a way to honor other people and to just recognize. I think as humans that we we are limited in our abilities to understand everything, and humility is willingness to say like that's true, yeah. and I'm gonna live in a relationship with people that recognizes that and mm. putting others above myself. You, th- you think of Jesus laying aside rights that he yeah. fully had, prerogatives that he had had mm-hmm. from eternity past, mm-hmm. willingly laying them down, mm-hmm. right? And and being with us, coming down to us on our level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brooks, when it comes to gentleness, how, how are we supposed to understand what Paul's getting at there? Yeah, uh, the, the King James Version uses meekness in this uh, in this verse in, in place of gentleness. Um, meekness, I think, is it's sometimes hard for us to understand. We don't go around, and that's not, I don't think, a usual word in, in people's mm-hmm. vocabulary. Um, uh, Jesus does say, blessed are the meek mm-hmm. uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Meekness is similar to gentleness, and, and it, I mean, in this, in this way, it is interchangeable here. I think, um, but I, I, w- I would look at gentleness in this regard as meekness, which is uh, power under control. It, it's having a lot of strength, a lot of power, but it's using it under control. Mm-hmm. Think of you're driving a, a sports car with a huge old engine down the road, mm-hmm. and you're going five miles under the speed limit yep. instead of punching it. Yep. Um, that's that's power under control. Um, so this is how we're supposed to maintain um, this unity. Is is Hey, with with meekness, look at the power you have, but keep it under control. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't be overbearing. So, so let me ask you a question with that. So, what does that practically look like? What like what power do we have, and how? What does that practically look like if it's harnessed and it's under control, expressed in the body of Christ? That's a good question. Yeah, um, I would. Uh, I would look to Jesus. I think that's always a good good place to to, to go. Um, he he had truth. He had the corner on truth. He was mm-hmm. truth, but he didn't cram it ever mm-hmm. down people's throats. Right? I, I, I think of like the um, woman at the well, uh, Nicodemus. These people needed 
truth mm-hmm. very, very clearly. But the way he gave it yeah. was through gentle means. Yeah. Um, thinking of he met Nicodemus at night. Mm. He the, the 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 very just the illustration of that is I'm gonna meet you on your turf where you want to be met, where no one else can see you so that you can ask questions mm. of me. And I'm gonna give you some really if you look at the the dialogue, there's some hard answers, some hard truth, but I'm gonna do it in a gentle way. Yeah. Um so and then when it comes to the church. Yeah, let's think through how we're how we are dispelling truth yeah. to people. How are we giving people what they need? Is it? Um, no, that's so good. Yep, Dave, um, hurry up and tell us about patience. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this, this is a good one for me. Did you give this to me deliberately? Like Dave needs this. Uh, yeah, patience. It. Um, the Greek word is makrothemia. Makros is long. Themos is like patient, passion, or anger. So, in other words, we are long. There's there's some there's a length of time before we reach. The point of anger mm. or, or passion, mm. like like long suffering. So uh, you think about that. It's like the the Lord Himself is the one who can produce that in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for part of the fruit of the Spirit, you mm-hmm. know, is patience that we be, a, you know, long suffering. I think part of it is you have you have like you have like staying power, right? Mm-hmm. You're not mm-hmm. you don't have a short fuse. You get a long fuse. Yeah. You can yeah. you can absorb a lot of punishment. Before you just strike back, right? Mm-hmm. There's kind of a steadfast. There's a strength to patience, mm-hmm. you know, just an amazing strength. You're you're not brittle. You don't just shatter, right, or yeah. blow up when something happens to you. You're able to absorb it. You're able to stay with it. You're able to be steadfast. That's good. I heard one person describe it as just like the uh, ability to put up with mm-hmm. people and stuff, like mm-hmm. a this long suffering ability just to, mm-hmm. to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah, which kind of leads to the next one or the last one, which is enduring love. Uh, some translations have it as forbearance. It's it's that same concept. It's choosing to love others regardless, and it's regardless of fill in the blank. Right. Mm. Um, the word love that's used there is is agape, mm. and so if you want a good definition of what unconditional enduring love looks like, you know, do a word study on agape love. Mm. But it really is learning to put up with one another for the sake of love. And I don't know if you guys know this, but you know, not everyone that walks the planet's normal like the four of us. Yes. You know. Yes. And I mean that tongue in cheek. So you don't see me smirking right now, but um but yeah, uh we love one another whether they're lovable or not. Um we're called to enduring love. So, um all these characteristics or I guess qualities are essential for what Paul says next. And here's where we're going to end today. Um he says that we are supposed to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So guys, why should we be eager for unity? Why, why is unity, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts, why is unity such a big deal in the economy of God? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was eager and zealous to create unity through yeah. his life and death and resurrection. And if that's true and he was willing to give his life for it, then... The right response is like we have an eagerness and a zealousness to maintain and keep what Christ came to do and what his mission is in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we continue to carry out that mission. Yeah. We mm-hmm. reflect the character of God 
it's a, a travesty to the God and, and to us when we are dis, I was going to say disunified, we are not unified, mm-hmm. right? Because we're, we are denying the, actually the character of God. Mm-hmm. You think of the triune wow, God yes. who is three, he is within the nature of the one God, there are three persons who have existed in perfect harmony mm-hmm. throughout eternity. Mm-hmm. That's where we're supposed to be reflecting. To not reflect that is, is, is really, is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I would point to John 17 as, as Jesus' high priestly prayer, as some translations refer to it as. He actually prays for his disciples, expand that, prays for his church, prays for us today that we would be unified. In John 17, 20 and 21, it says, I do not ask for these only, um, talking about his disciples, but also for those who would believe in me through their word. That's the church. That's us today. Mm. And then in verse 21, it says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that he has sent me. Mm-hmm. First off, two, two, two things there. We're supposed to, the, the believers are supposed to reflect the Trinity, like Dave said. Mm-hmm. But also, man, this hits me like a ton of bricks, that our unity inside of the body of believers Will will be proof to the world that Jesus came from wow. God. Yeah. I don't. It, mm. it just doesn't get much clearer than that. Mm. That the importance of unity reflects who Jesus was. Yeah, that He came from God. So, so the stakes are high. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Well, um, as a team, uh, kind of behind the scenes, we have been reading a new book that I want to recommend to all of our listeners. It's a book by Francis Chan, if you're familiar with him, a book that just came out, I think, a week or two ago called Until Unity. And we have been pouring through it in preparation for unity conversations around uh, the letter uh, to the church in Ephesus. And I would recommend it to you. We'll go ahead and put it in the show notes. Um, But one of the statements that I want to leave you with today is this. Uh, In that book, uh, Francis Chan says, Scripture teaches that our influence on the world is directly tied to the unity we display. And that's exactly, Brooks, what you were saying. Um, this topic is worth investing in. Uh, it is worth maintaining, that word that Paul uses there. And then, and I hope that as we continue through this book that we see how important these relationships are, our relationship to the church, that we're walking in a manner worthy of our calling, and uh, that Christ might be displayed most prominently in the way that we walk together. So thank you guys for being with us. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so, because we'd love to continue to dive into God's word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week.